Good morning. Glad you're here. I'm uh, Galen Jones, one of your ministers. As happens every summer, there's a, just a lot of stuff going on. A lot of mission trips, a lot of uh, just a ton of ways to engage. Impact Week, uh, the Boyd School Lunch Program, uh, Belize trip, Canada trip. Uh, so when I was thinking about um, all the things that go on in the summer and uh, kind of what I wanted to, to share with you this morning, I was drawn to um, Luke chapter 13. So if you would, uh, open your Bibles or your iPads or whatever, whatever you got that has the Bible on it. And I want to kind of look through uh, Luke chapter 13. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the kingdom of God. And as Wes said, you know, God doesn't only work in the summer. He works year-round. And, and kingdom people are busy about kingdom business all the time. Uh, in Luke chapter 13, uh, it's interesting that I'm just kind of... I'll be um, citing or um, I won't be reading because I'm going to tell the story, but from the GDJ version, that's Galen Dwayne Jones version. Um, So you follow along and make sure that I'm telling the story correctly. So the story starts out with uh, Jesus having a conversation with some Galilean people that have suffered a tragic loss and tragic death. And basically the message there is, Jesus says, look, if you think that it was because of their sin that they died such a horrible death, um, you're thinking wrong. You need to change that thinking. Uh, And I I tell you that unless you repent, um, you're going to perish the same way. It's going to happen. And then he goes from there to begin to tell a story about uh, a vine dresser, and there was this guy that had a vineyard, and it, uh, he had planted a fig tree there, and the fig tree wasn't bearing fruit. And so he goes out there, and he said, you know, he tells his the vine dresser, he says, look, I've been watching this uh, tree for several years now, and it doesn't bear any fruit, so cut it down. And the vine dresser says, oh, okay, hang on, let's um, let's let's just pause a minute, tap the brakes. Um, let me till the soil and add some fertilizer and let's see what happens. And if it bears fruit, then it'll be good. If it doesn't, then we'll cut it down. And then the scene shifts to Jesus teaching in the synagogue. And uh, he's there and there's a lady there that has had a crippling disease or crippling ailment for some time. And Jesus heals her. And the, uh, the uh, synagogue officials are really upset about the fact that he dis- does this. He says, you know, they tell him, Jesus, you know, you've got, we've got six days of the week that you can heal. Why do you don't do that on the Sabbath? But the people that were watching, they began to praise God. They began to see God. Their eyes were opened to what God was doing, the great things that Jesus was doing. But the leaders of the synagogue were frustrated by what Jesus had done. So you have two different groups. And then Jesus tells the parable of the mustard seed. And I always like these parables where Jesus starts out and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like, 
Because as kingdom people, we understand that the kingdom must be sought. It's not something that comes to us naturally. But we seek after the kingdom of God. And we seek and we find. So he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Put in the ground, grows up to be a big tree, and the birds come and nest. And then he says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. This leaven has been put in the dough in three pecks, and it's influenced the whole dough, whole lump, all of it. So a couple of things that at least I take away from that is the kingdom is a safe place. And the kingdom of God infiltrates things and changes things. It changes belief systems. It, it changes hearts. When we look in, in further down in, in Luke, uh, right there, the next verse, I think it's um, uh, 20-something there. Um, it says that Jesus, after this, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. This is a common theme in the book of Luke. I think the first time he says it is in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, and then you'll see it mentioned four other times through the book of Luke. Luke is kind of divided by this idea that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And I always like the, the, the text, uh, the washing of Jesus, when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And before he starts to wash their feet, the text reads, Jesus knowing where he came from and knowing where he was going. And I think that's crucial for kingdom people that we understand where we came from and where we're going. So that, that's a, a couple of things that in, in conversations, it, when, at least when I'm trying to, to move a conversation from just a sharing of life together to a spiritually forming conversation, I'm at least listening for two things. One is, does this person know where they're going? Do they know where they came from? And how is that information helping them do life in the middle? How does the knowledge of where we come from and where we're going help us to do kingdom life in the middle? It's kind of like what Wes said. You know, God wasn't, isn't just working over the summer in um, mission trips and uh, projects and programs that we do in the summer. He's doing it all the time. But so many times, we miss it. We miss what God is doing. I had a conversation with a a close friend that, um, I I guess the conversation was was kind of stirred by, he was at the memorial service, and so he called me up. He said, again, I'd like to have coffee. So I went over, and we're we're having coffee, and he starts telling me about something that I had said. And see, this is one of the things that is amazing to me. We often don't know what people are listening to or the influence or the impact that we're having on people because we just don't have those eyes or those ears to see. But he starts telling me about a story that I told about my grandmother which was a true story. He said, you know, I I remember when you talked about your grandmother, you said that after she cooked breakfast, she would always go into the uh, dining room and she would smoke a cigarette 
and drink a Coke. And, and she had to have it in the little bottle. It couldn't be in any other size bottle. It had to be the Cokes in the little bottle. And when Coke stopped selling Coke in the little bottle, she switched to Dr. Pepper. But she would. She would fix breakfast, and, and I'm still a big breakfast guy. It's kind of my meal of the day. If I have a good breakfast, I can go pretty much for the rest of the day. But she would sit there and she would smoke her cigarette and drink her Coke. And me, I would just be there playing in the smoke. Because I grew up in one of those houses where there was this... And for, if you're, you know, six, seven, eight years old, you're about this high. And that smoke just lines that part of the house if you grew up with any smokers. If anybody's going to die of secondhand smoke, I'm in. Because I used to love to play in it. But he says, you know, I'm thinking that your grandmother was thinking about life and about where she was going and what she was doing and her day. And individual said, well, you know, and I'm retired now and, and I don't like it. I've just kind of lost my way. I'm looking for something to do. And see, the kingdom of God provides that for us. It provides direction. It helps us understand how to live in the middle. It changes the way that we think. It changes the way the belief systems that we have. But sometimes, because of our, um, how we hesitate to engage in conversation with people that is more spiritually driven, we miss it. And I would just encourage you that every opportunity that you have Experiment and see how you can move a conversation from a just sharing of life together to a spiritually forming conversation. I think so many times I know that in my life, I was kind of like, um, you know, Job's three friends. And Job was struggling. And Job's three friends go in there and they really don't offer him much. And I know that in my life, some of the things that conversations that I had when I saw people that were struggling, it was kind of like, okay, let me pray for you and I'll talk to you later. It really didn't move anyone anywhere. Really didn't offer any spiritual resource. Didn't really point anyone to God. And if you, if you read Job, it's a, there's another individual that we don't talk about much when we talk about Job. It's the other guy, the fourth guy. Elihu. So after the, the three friends, the three closer friends that Job is having conversations with, Elihu steps in and he says, let me tell you something, Job. Let me tell you something about God. And if you just read that, it starts at about chapter 32 before Job has his conversation with God. But Elihu, if you read that, he, he directs Job to God and challenges Job with the conversation and his relationship with God. Completely different approach. So I I hope that you'll experiment when you have an opportunity, that you'll experiment with with different um, ways to communicate God and different that you'll have, you'll open your eyes to try to see how the person is struggling with life in the middle and how the kingdom of God can change that life. It might look like this. Um, 
And this is kind of one of these slow processes. It's kind of like the, the leaven or the, the mustard seed. There's a, a sports bar that I go to, and you've, most of you have heard me talk about it. Um, a few of us guys go over there and have, try to have spiritually forming conversations and just kind of watch what goes on. And it's a good, <laughs> sometimes it's a good learning environment um, about God and about ourselves and about people and how they move. Uh, but, I, but I have a friend, he's the next, he's not next door, but he's the next house over. His name is Reggie. And, and I call him my friend. We, we wave and we, we talk. But he goes up there on occasion as well. So um, about a month ago, Reggie was there. And I was standing up there getting ready to pay. And Reggie started sharing life. And he was talking about the distress that he was feeling, the anxiety that he was experiencing because he was interviewing for a new job. And at some point, he even thought that he may just want to retire, but he needed the work, so he was just sharing this discomfort and distress. So I said, and I wouldn't have done this this way in the past, but because I I'm, try to train for these things, and the, really the only place that you can train for them is by doing it. So, um, and, and I would encourage you to always have your napkin notes. And the reason I call them napkin notes is because typically if I'm having a conversation or having coffee with somebody, there's napkins on the table. And when the time is right, I pull out the napkin and start drawing a, a diagram of some sort. Because I think most of you know I'm dyslexic, so I don't read well. And I draw pictures, and I can remember the picture. It's just the way that I do it. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to do it. But this is what happened with, to my napkin note with Reggie. So I, I asked Reggie, I said, well, Reggie, would you, would you like some, uh, uh, some information maybe about how, how to relationships and how they function? And Reggie goes, yes, I would love that because, man, I'm just, you know, this is just eating me up inside. I said, well, you know, there, every human being um, wants to feel um, secure, I mean, and part of your anxiety is coming from the fact that you don't feel real secure with this whole thing. Is that not true? Yeah, that's you, yeah you're exactly right. Um, and I said, every human being, uh, really part of relationships, that they want to be valued. And one of the things that you had shared was the fact that you um, didn't feel appreciated in your previous position, and that's why you're changing this, uh, changing this position. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm writing this down on the napkin and making my little diagram with it. And so we finished the conversation. I'm, I already know that, that Reggie is not a highly religious person. Uh, in fact, the conversation really started by him telling me that we needed to do something with our neighbor about his front yard. And our front yard is a wreck. I, I don't know why. He, I, you know, I was just kind of going, okay. Um, but we've had conversations about the HOA and all those kinds of things, but not anything real of any depth. But now he was just sharing more, okay, about really what was going on in his life. So as, I, as the conversation ended, I reached up and I grabbed, put my hand over the napkin and started to slide it across the counter. And he put his hand over my hand. He goes, no, I want that. And I said, okay. Didn't really think much of it. 
did reflect on it and pray about maybe what God might be doing. Last week, I was in the bar, and Reggie was there, and I was standing by a high-top table kind of like this, and he comes over, and he goes, you know, those principles that you taught me, that you shared with me some time ago, they really work. And he just went on and on and on. I felt like going, well, that's, it'll cost you about $2,000 for that. But, um, but now, see, I, I had no idea, and I really can't say that I had no idea, because this has happened more than, on more than one occasion, how God does this. So now my next step with Reggie, and I ask that you would pray for Reggie, that he'll come back, because I'm waiting for him to ask me, is there a book with these principles in it? Because that too has happened on more than one occasion. In fact, I just got an opportunity last week uh, during, our, um, during a lunch uh, to speak before the Rotary Club. One of the things, I'm, I'm trying to kind of shift the people networks that I have. And uh, one of those is I want to start trying to help uh, businesses and leadership and that in our community um, among a small and even large businesses. So I'm, I'm looking for places to speak because um, what's happened in the past is when I share some of the principles, whether I'm doing it one-on-one or in a group, people respond because they're kingdom principles. So I was, um, one of our members here got me a, a gig to come talk during the Rotary Club during their lunch time. So I went over there and I was talking about um, conflict and how we're in those three stages. We're either in a conflict, we just came out of one, or we're going in one. And there are some basic principles on how to, to deal with conflict and started sharing some, some of the biblical principles around that. Never mentioned the Bible didn't have any verses because I, yeah, I'm trying to, I don't know the, my, all of my listeners and I don't want to, uh, in businesses, a lot of them, they don't, they're not interested in some church guy coming up and telling them about God. So, I go through and I get through and two people came up after that. There was about 15 people there at the lunch and both of them said, these are about the best concepts as far as dealing with conflict that I've ever heard. You know what the next question was? Is there a book with those in it? Yeah, there's a book. It's called the Bible. They're there. And of course, they just when, when this happens, and this has happened multiple times, um, they just smile. I'm thinking of another situation where I, was, I had the opportunity to speak in front of about 20 people. And usually the bigger the crowd, um, in this particular case, I was talking about conflict and how to resolve conflict. And uh, there, was, there was the antagonist, okay? The individual that goes against everything that you say, counters it, okay? So I'm, I'm up here trying to do a, a training or a, a teaching on conflict. And Everything, he just came, come back and said, well, that's not, I don't do that, that doesn't really help. Anyway, afterwards, this was, uh, after we got through, he comes up and he said, you know, this is about the best training on conflict I've ever seen. And inside, I'm going, I, don't, I can't believe what I'm hearing. Um, and then he said, you know, I think some of these principles I could use and teach my Bible class. 
Now, I, haven't, I, I hadn't given them the handouts yet, so when he asked me, when he told me that, I said, oh, that would be great. I think this would fit very well in your Bible class. Would you like the notes with Scripture, or do you want the notes that I used for this class? Because they work. So that's just one of the ways that trying to get into the community and teaching people about the kingdom of God. Because when people see the kingdom of God, it's a life changer. It's a game changer. It teaches us how to live in the middle because we know exactly where we came from and we know exactly where we're going. And then we train ourselves, we equip ourselves to take a conversa- conversation, to, to look for the catalyst, like what was the opportunities of Impact Week, of all the things that we do, everything, everything that we do. And so we look for those catalysts of how I can connect with people, and we recognize that, that transformation is a slow process. It's a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight. But it is like leaven and it permeates and people respond to it. So we look for those catalysts and we recognize that, that transformation comes one conversation at a time. And all I need to do is set myself up for one more conversation. I don't have to do it all right then. So then we begin to look at opportunities where we're sharing life together with the individual. Just casual stories. But then we start listening for what God might be doing in that person's life. And we bring some of our friends together and we begin praying for those people that we're having these conversations with. And we watch God at work. We listen to the story and we move and we begin to point them to the kingdom of God. Very intentionally, very focused. And we just watch God work. And it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. And He's doing it all the time. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Starts small, grows big. It's like leaven. It permeates a whole community. Every piece of the dough. That's the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the love that um, you've shown us. Thank you for allowing us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. And Father, we, um, we thank you so much that you've taught us and continue to teach us how to live in the middle We know that there was a tree in Genesis, and we know that there's another tree. The tree comes back in Revelation. You're teaching us, you are teaching us how to live between the trees. And we thank you for that. Thank you for Jesus who made this possible. Thank you that he shows us the way. Thank you that He not only shows us the way, but He goes with us. And His Spirit guides us in every conversation. If we'll just listen. Forgive us for the things that we think and say and do that get us distracted and attach us to this world. 
And we thank you for the way that you detach us and draw us into your presence. Father, we're looking forward to when the kingdom is fully realized, when you come back. What a glorious day that'll be. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.